Hello, welcome to another episode of Just Cuz, the podcast where two cousins talk about things they love. Just Cuz, and today is a very special episode of Just Cuz because Max and I are in the same place for once. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, right now I'm <laughs> kicking Max as we speak. <laughs> and it hurts so much. Yeah, it does. Today we're going to be talking about um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm. Mutant Mayhem, yeah, the new movie. Subtitled Mutant Mayhem. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, real quick, I just want to go into a little tangent here and talk about how much I fucking hate movie trailers now. Yep. <laughs> the movie trailers all in front of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Mutant Mayhem. What a title. Um, where <laughs> I have to say the whole thing every <laughs> single time. Um... They were completely, all of them were showing me the entire movie. And I didn't even, I didn't even need a trailer because why would I go see any of these movies? Why would I go see Gran Turismo or the new Trolls movie or what the fuck was that other one? I, I can't even tell you some of the specifics because I forget about them the moment that I stop watching yeah. them. But it, you're right. It is the problem. And we've had this conversation on the podcast where tra trailers spoil everything absolutely everything and it just makes me not want to go see those movies i would be interested to go see something like gran turismo and blue beetle but that's the other one blue, yeah, beetle. blue beetle but it shows me the entire movie in the trailer why would i need to go see it i know exactly what's going to happen the blue beetle trailer even had an arc in it yeah for the care and i'm like what <laughs> I don't want to know his character arc. What What's his name? Indestructible Man? The, the villain? Like, I didn't want to know he was in the movie. I don't want to know anything. I want to know a few of the funny lines, not the funniest lines of the movie, because they often put those, but a few of the funny lines and the basic bare minimum premise. Mm. I want to know the elevator pitch. I don't want to know anything else. No from the movie. The Barbie trailer movie was really good about that because I went in knowing absolutely nothing about that movie except that it was going to be not what I expected and that was true. And I just, I get so tired of going to the movies and paying all of this money to have movies just spoiled for me with their trailers. And the biggest problem is I even thought the Barbie trailer showed too much. Oh, it absolutely did. Because I love the idea of going into a movie completely blind. I know nothing about the movie other than maybe the directors, some of the filmmakers behind it. That so rarely happens nowadays because even if I don't want to know anything about a movie, Twitter or YouTube or something will just shove it down my throat. Mm -hmm. I was not that upset, but then the Marvels trailer came on and the first one, the first teaser for the Marvels was great mm -hmm. because it just showed me the premise of... Kamala, um, Carol, and Monica all trading places because their powers are intertwined. But this new trailer shows me the villain, shows me the arcs, shows me... It repeats a lot of the lines, like the funny lines from the teaser trailer, which makes me think those are the funniest lines in the movie and there's going to be nothing else. It shows me a confrontation between Carol and Monica and I'm like... I don't want to know what you're saying there. Show me that they're talking to each other, yes, mm -hmm. because they absolutely need to. They need to have that conversation. They fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> but 
don't show me the whole movie. I, we're on a pretty long tangent here, and we'll we'll get back to mutants yeah, and ninjas. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. But I do like the new Marvels trailer for the simple line of when the three of them say "higher, further, faster." Yeah, no, that, that always really gives good. me I chills. But if that's in the actual movie and that's not just something for the trailer, I think that's going to ruin it in the movie. I think I'll be like, oh, that's from the trailer. Yeah, yeah, it'll just seem cheesy in the movie. Exactly. And I don't know. I'm just bummed <laughs> that movie trailers are doing this and now. And it, it does suck because I love watching trailers. I love the hype of it. But you're right. Watching a trailer, even a teaser trailer nowadays, kind of ruins the experience. Mm-hmm. Also, if I have to hear Hopper from Stranger Things say, you puked on my lawn anymore, I will shoot myself in the head. There's been like three trailers for Gran Turismo and in each one. So many. I, I saw the trailer today and I was like, isn't this movie out already? <laughs> but no, he says the same thing and I'm like, we get it. We see him puke. In each of them, they don't just say, they don't just show the line, mm. you puked on my lawn. No, they show the kid puking and then they show him pull out the bullhorn and say to him you puked on my lawn yeah and then we just saw him do it and right before that it's when they're they always have the line of we're gonna turn these nerds into athletes <laughs> absolutely and it's very clearly at his house yes we don't need you to say you puked on my lawn it's not giving me any new information <laughs> I, I am excited to see that because it's neil blomkamp yeah. and i have faith in him as a director even though he's he has pulled out some duds but anyway let's talk about tmnt mutant mayhem let's do it because i genuinely i'm sorry this movie. do you mean the teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem yes is that what tmnt the full is? the full title okay i just want to be sure because <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah we're not sure because they never really mention the exact words teenage mutant ninja turtles in this movie mm -mm. but i haven't asked you what did you think of this movie i liked it Okay. I didn't not like it. I just, I don't think I care about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as much as you do, as much as I know <laughs> that you do. So, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a fun movie, but I don't know how much I have to say about it, but I'm mm. sure that you do. I have so much to say about this movie, and that's probably because I am a TMNT diehard fan. I loved the live action movie as a kid. I loved the CG animated movie in the early 2000s, which stars Chris Evans and Patrick Stewart. I loved all of that stuff. It's all fantastic, even though some of them are duds. I'm not going to try and argue that they're all fantastic. The live action second and third movie, wow, what happened there? But that first live action movie is so much fun. And I'll say that movie from the 90s is a kid's movie through and through. But it is allowed to be dirty and dark and sometimes even a little depressing. And that's something that they really took and ran with with this new animated movie. And I loved that so much. Mm -hmm. I have seen all, uh, not all of those movies, but I saw the 90s one and I saw the live action ones that mm -hmm. you're talking about. I don't remember anything about them. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I never mentioned them, but yeah, the Michael Bay produced ones. I don't love the first one. I always have way more fun than I'm supposed to in the second one. I think it's subtitled Out of the Shadows, but yeah, those movies are fine. But it, this they're, new animated movie is clearly a cut above. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're Michael Bay movies. Yes. There's only so far you can go. <laughs> 
But I, I guess we can start with just talking about the animation because I thought like right from the get-go, there's so many lines and just lots and lots of pencil mileage and they're just choice of shots and character design and everything is great. But the lighting and shading in this movie yeah. is so incredible. I cannot get over it. Yeah, it's really excellent. And we've definitely said this before, but the direction that um, certain animated movies are taking and being less realistic and less the CG animation style, mm. it's definitely paying off because this gives the movie a very distinct feel and it it's a very fun style to watch. Like, it's not exactly like, you know, Puss in Boots, uh, The, the Last, Last Wish. Wish, that's it. <laughs> Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Um because nothing is exactly like that. No. It's amazing. Um, but it was it was way more similar to that than most other animated movies that I've seen. And it was it took a lot of liberties in um, you know, character design and mm. like you were saying, shadows and lighting and it was it's really great. Every time you saw a line which was clearly drawn it was almost too thick looking and there was a lot of sketches everywhere. Mm -hmm. It was just like I said earlier, it was dirty, and it you could feel the dirt and grime. It, it was it was great, but kind of starting out with the plot a little bit, you're introduced to Baxter Stockman, and I fully expected him to be the main villain because obviously, like they do in the movie, he's the one who creates all of these mutants, and I figured he was going to be a much bigger part of it, especially being voiced by Giancarlo Esposito, but he's kind of gotten rid of in the first five minutes immediately killed off mm -hmm. <laughs> um which i also found surprising because i the way that they were setting him up i definitely thought he was going to be in more of the movie and he's immediately killed off um yeah that was very interesting yeah and i was like i don't know my biggest thing i was like how don't they see him holding the the vial of ooze their whole thing <laughs> is to find the ooze and find the the mutate uh agent <laughs> And, and they lose it anyway. It's right there in his hand. It's not even hidden well. It's bright green. It's glowing in a dark room. How don't you see that? <laughs> and of course, he drops it down the sewer, and that leads to mm -hmm. four turtles and a rat getting Breaks on radiated. four little poor baby turtles. Super, super They go super through a cute. gruesome transformation. You know what I couldn't stop thinking about while watching them transform in this movie? Hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. Just animal abuse to the max. Just like absolute body horror. And animal will, mutation. I can't think of anywhere else to kind of bring this up, but I love the origin of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the simple fact, and you probably know this, that they're just a spoof of Daredevil. Yeah. Where <laughs> the mutagen that... Uh, gets in daredevil's eyes you if you just you know pull back a little bit and you see that that ooze goes down the sewer and drips onto a bunch of turtles and a rat and it's even the foot clan and the hand and splinter and um stick just every character that you could think of is just it's it's all just a spoof but i love that for those of you that didn't know that i just love pointing that out the more you know mm, the more you know I guess there's nothing really else to talk about with the intro and the animation. I'm sure we'll think of some other stuff. But I also just want to talk about how 
these turtles are just kids mm -hmm. and they're allowed to just be kids. Yeah. That was very refreshing because I do remember how they acted in the Michael Bay movies. I don't remember what happened in those movies, but I remember the way that they acted and they acted like, you know, late 20s bums who were just obsessed with pizza. And I was, I was very relieved to see them as actual teenagers and they, you know, the movie is definitely, uh, of its time it's definitely mm. of right now it's not something that will necessarily age the best i think because of that it but it's also something that can connect to kids a lot right now i think because they the ninja turtles talk just like kids now talk, yes and not in some you know out of touch adult exec way of you know oh this is a teenager look you know, this is a uh, oh, this is Rue from Euphoria. <laughs> this is someone. Look, it, they're your age, but they're doing all this crazy shit. No, they're actual teenagers. I think you put it best by saying that in the Michael Bay produced movies, they felt like twenty year olds because they really did. And even in the live action '90s movies, they felt like twenty year olds. I think this is the first example of me seeing the turtles and really feeling like they're children. And maybe that was just purely down to the voice actors, but I think it was the character design had a very very big role in that. Yeah. I mean, they, I think they did an excellent job with them and just the problems that they're dealing with, they're worried about fitting in. Like that's obviously a common theme with other Ninja Turtles movies, mm. but this, the way that it was handled in this, you know, like Leonardo has a crush on a girl for the first time and uh, Michelangelo wants to take improv classes <laughs> and um, I don't know, Raphael has anger issues. <laughs> But like, and Donnie is looking at Attack on Titan. References. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donnie's obsessed with Attack on Titans, and they all got cell phones, and they're all just like normal, and that's sick. And they're like, they're doing all this ninja stuff, stealing food, but they're just bored. Yes, and that's it felt like yeah. teenagers. And yeah, they're introduced getting groceries, and then they watch Ferris Bueller, which is mm -hmm. just perfect. And then they go back to their to their house or to their sewer home. And they're just depressed. And Mikey looks out of, I'm saying with quotes, window, because it's a sewer grate. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, oh, the bar, the shadow of the bar is reflected on yes. Mikey's face. That was great. I was yeah. like, what a metaphor. <laughs> Art. <laughs> yeah. Shadow lighting everything 100%. I will say I loved the casting of the kids. And I really want this to get a sequel. I don't know how they're going to do that because these kids' voices are probably going to drop how within old, the next couple of years. How old were the actors? Like actual teenagers. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay, mm. I didn't know that. I should pull up all their names because we're going to talk about a lot of the famous actors in this movie. But those four turtles, the the kids that play them, they were they perfect. Just, they were so good. The four actors are Nicholas Cantu as Leonardo... Micah Abbey as Donatello, Brandy Noon as Raphael, and Shaman Brown Jr. as Michelangelo. I've never heard of them before, but I'm sure they're going to go on to do fantastic things because they they killed it. Mm -hmm. What other actors were in this movie? What fame? I didn't even know there were famous actors right. in this movie. I, I can just start listing I mean, listing they're, it yeah, they're, they're voice actors. So, so I, obviously, I uh, Seth Rogen is a producer on this, but yeah. he played Bebop. Uh, John Cena was Rocksteady. Jackie Chan was Splinter. 
Um, Ao Edabiri, God, I hope I said that right, is April O'Neil, and she's in The Bear, which we actually talked about yeah. earlier. Um, Ice Cube is Superfly. Post Malone is Ray Filet. Paul Rudd is Mondo Gecko. Rose Byrne is Leatherhead. Maya Rudolph is Cynthia Ultron, uh, Utram, which we will talk about later, my goodness. <laughs> Hannibal Burris is Genghis Frog. Uh, a bunch of other names that aren't listed with characters, but Dylan O'Brien, James Marsden, um, just a whole bunch of people. Stars. Oh, shit. Yeah. I guess I was really tired when I saw this because <laughs> I didn't pick out any of those voices. And I'm very, like, for the gecko, guy, mm-hmm. what, guy, co- yeah. <laughs> Mondo gecko. Mondo gecko. <laughs> Don't you dare you say his <laughs> name wrong. Is that gecko gecko? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, he. I knew that I recognized his voice mm. from somewhere, and I did pick out Seth Rogen, obviously, but I had no idea that was Paul Rudd. That really surprised me. <laughs> Paul Rudd and John Cena and Hannibal Burris, just yeah, fucking sh- oh my god, just incredible that they got all of this cast. And I guess now's a good time to bring up the fact that I thought there were going to be too many mutants in this movie, and it's subtitled Mutant Mayhem. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's that's a lot of characters. There How are you going to juggle this? There were a lot of mutants. But every single one of the, I say again in quotes, evil mutants was just kind of to further the turtles and their character arc to just say, because it was just a parallel, Superfly and Splinter, and then all of his kids, and then all the turtles. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I, that's obviously what they're there for, and Mm -hmm. I definitely agree, but I do think that there might have been a few too many. We definitely could have lived without some of them. See, I loved seeing all of them, but I agree with you. They probably could have halved them. Yeah, like you didn't need two rhinos or like two strong guys i know they well, both you need rhinos, both bebop and rocksteady because they're classic tmnt okay, characters okay i didn't know that i don't know any of these characters <laughs> honestly bebop and rocksteady are probably the most famous out of these two I've or heard out of bebop, all these but yeah it's probably from cowboy bebop <laughs> <laughs> but i i did think that it all worked i will say the one point where the parallel between superfly and splinter was pushed a little too far is when they were kind of like, outright said yeah, it. <laughs> when superfly was like hey we're the same what are you doing man i was like okay i get this is a kid's movie but that's a little bit too much what you don't like when the villain says we're the same you i and i hate that <laughs> i hate that so much that's the kind of thing where in a video game as you're doing the boss fight they just program that in and he says it like six times we're the same what, you don't like when the villain says, there is no good and evil, only power? <laughs> God. Like <laughs> you haven't been just sent into flashbacks of horrible boss fights in video games. Mm. <laughs> horrible boss fights everywhere. Yeah, horrible boss fights in real life. Yeah. Um, But I guess I, now is a good time to talk about Superfly and his character, because I thought he was genuinely intimidating. Yeah, he was sick. I and, liked him. Yeah. I was like, this guy's all right. I'd want to kill yeah. all humans too. Yeah, I honestly, kind of agree with him. Honestly, if it were me. It was the moment where, I mean, he's obviously allowed to kill in this movie, which is a very simple thing to do. But in a kid's movie, that is a line that I love when they take. Does he kill? Who does yep. he kill? The people that he gets to steal that thing in the beginning of the movie. He eats them. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. And that is the moment where a family in front of me as I was watching it 
the mom grabbed her toddler and left the theater. And I was kind of happy about that because that toddler was being very loud. But again, that's like, it's, it's half and half because a lot of little kids are going to watch this movie and they're probably going to be scared of Superfly because he eats people. But that's a line that they need to take more often because kids being scared of the villain is kind of what the filmmakers want. Yeah. I mean, it definitely um, was to the favor. I don't know how to say it. was, you know, a good thing for movies like, you know, Puss in Boots. Like, obviously, I don't know if death kills. I mean, death doesn't kill anyone, obviously. Oh, but he draws blood. Yeah, he draws blood and John Mulaney kills people. Yeah. And that's, it's just a great time, you know? <laughs> because like we've said before on this podcast, kids are a lot more mature than you give them. Yeah, and kids are smarter than you think. And if you try to quell villains in your movies, if you try to make them not as bad, oh, they just knocked a bunch of people out. They didn't kill anybody. You know, it can give the wrong message. It can be like, oh, you know, the the villain might have been, you know, right if that's the kind of movie you're making. But then you can go far in the other direction, like we were talking about before with the... Captain America, uh, sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Secret Invasion, like, oh, these quote-unquote villains are right, but we're going to make them seem bad because they're going to just have senseless violence and kill a bunch of people for reasons that don't support their mission statement. (laughs) And it's purely to get the audience off their side, because everyone was. No other reason. (laughs) Uh, But Superfly... Um, you know, it, on the surface, it could be read, it could be read as something similar to those, you know, oh, he's right. Humans went after him and his family and they did nothing to harm humans. And, you know, he wants to kill all humans to be accepted. It's not bad to be accepted. No, it's not bad to be accepted. But the difference between, you know, those kinds of other shows, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Secret Invasion, and this is that... The heroes and the villains are on the exact same journey. They just handle it in different ways. They've had these same experiences. They just handle them in different ways. Um, You know, that doesn't happen in those other shows. You know, Nick Fury is privileged. (laughs) Nick Fury is not hiding uh, for his life. Uh, always Always wearing someone else's skin. Like the aliens in Secret Invasion. And, you know... Bucky and Sam don't have to deal with anything because they were blipped for five years, right? But the turtles, they are ostracized from society, and just like Superfly, and they do want to fit in, but they handle it in a different way. And that's what the climax of this movie is. You know, they want to be accepted, but they value life over trying to win acceptance it's doing the right thing no matter what anybody else is gonna say but before we dive into the themes which i kind of feel like we're getting into i do want to point out the hilarious joke which they do a couple times where someone sees the turtles or splinter and they say oh no it's just a costume it's okay and then they touch him for a second like oh god it's real oh my god Because that is the reaction that people would have. Or even yeah. when April says, yeah, no one's going to accept you. I only accepted you because you, you helped, helped me. me. Yeah. Which is 
a big part of the themes of this movie is people are going to fear you. Yeah, mm -hmm. you probably look scary or even if you look different, people may see you as the other. But it's about doing the right thing no matter what those people think. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to change their and, mind. And, you know, that's hard. If this is a kid's movie, mm -hmm. if, you know, if this were real life and April got up on the screen of a TV and started saying, these turtles are not the bad guys. Would all of those New Yorkers believe her? No, absolutely not. Barely anyone would believe her. But, you know, it is it is a, an optimistic angle to mm. view from. And the New Yorkers and the turtles and the mutants all work together to destroy Superfly. Sorry if I'm getting to the end of the movie early, but like... It's an optimistic take. Is yes. it realistic? No, but is it what we wish the world was? Yes. I'm gonna mention that moment later because I think April's puke moment is one of the greatest moments in this entire movie, but... Horribly upsetting to watch. <laughs> but the first time that I saw that, I had the thought of like, who's her source? No one gonna ask that yeah. where she's getting her sources from? Because that's what news is. All she's saying is, I have the full story. Okay. Do you have proof? How? <laughs> I'm not going to believe you unless and you have like, proof. It seems like you're working with these turtles yes. because you're friends with them and you plan what footage to record and what not to. You don't yeah. really do that when you're investigating like reporting. <laughs> you're biased and you're colluding with them. But they all believe him, and that leads to a, the uh, Raimi Spider-Man moment, you know, where the New York, you mess with one of us, you, you mess with all of us. us. <laughs> and I did love that moment. <laughs> that was really funny. Mm. I I mean, it was, it, was, it was cute how they were all helping each other. Mm -hmm. uh, the and only thing could... I could think the whole time was like, where'd the cracks in their sh in the turtles' shells go? <laughs> yeah, gone in the next. But now they're doing flips and they're doing the cool Attack on Titan yeah. stuff, which I did love. How they mentioned Attack on Titan, and I was like, yeah, that that's awesome, great anime, love it. <laughs> and then they did it. They did Attack yeah. on Titan in the end, and they had some fantastic one takes of just following that plastic bag, and all the turtles are flipping around on Superfly or Mega Superfly or whatever it was. God, I loved that. I was horse just a little leg, kid. Super fly. Yeah. <laughs> like a bunch of horses too, not just one horse. When that horse like jumped off his leg. They they shot him the first time with the anti-mutate. And they thing. give it a second just and to then, build that yeah. suspense. And then the uh, one singular horse pops off. He's like, it's just a horse. I don't need that horse. I was like, <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> this movie is also hilarious. Yeah. I was gonna bring it up later, but it might mess with some of the emotion of the scene, but when they're getting milked. Oh my and, god. <laughs> and when Splinter comes and rescues them and is like, is 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 that what I think it is? And then they they're like, no. Fade to a like the the They cut to yeah. like it was like a Milkatron two thousand yeah. or Mega something. Milko Mega Milko two thousand. And I busted out laughing. Maybe it ruins the moment of the turtles being captured by the government, and that's supposed to be serious, but God, what a great joke. I don't think it ruins it, because what is it going to be otherwise? Splinter just being like, what did I tell you? Like, screaming at them, what did 
would tell you exactly what I said would happen. And you befriend humans. And you go and do the blah, blah, blah. That would be just boring. And we and, all know that that's not going to last. And all of that stuff is still felt emotionally. Yeah. So they still get it exactly. get it across. But that milking stuff, uh, that was too funny. I was like, why are you calling it milking? Why is she calling it milking? You don't have How nipples. How does Splinter even know what milking is? He's a rat. <laughs> Should we talk about Splinter and his origin? Yes. Okay. That was so funny. Because... <laughs> I mean, it was sad, but it was really funny. It, this is very, very different from the cartoon, the comics. This is like a very new origin that we've seen. Mm -hmm. I can tell a lot of nerds or a lot of just people are going to be angry about the changes that they had to Splinter. I want to be very clear when I say I do not give a shit. I could not care less. Like, originally, I got it all written down because I know I'm going to get the names horribly wrong. But, okay, so the real name of the Shredder is Oroku Saki, and he killed Yamato Yoshi, who is the owner of Splinter the Rat. And Shredder, or Splinter, sorry, their names are way too similar, but Splinter uh, originally trains the turtles so that he can get revenge on shredder and that's the sole reason oh yeah and he learned yeah that. he learned kung fu from watching his original master oh. whereas in this you know he sees what is it kevin lee's oh my god it was a workout self-defense so funny yeah, yeah. self-defense tape and it was fantastic for a second for a split second when he went to when it panned to a a workout tape i thought it was going to be a jane fonda workout tape and i was <laughs> that so ready that would have been so funny <laughs> And it's completely believable that Splinter would train these turtles from birth to hide in the shadows and be ninjas because it's a genuine fear of his that humans are going to come and kill them yeah, all. Yeah, I like this way better. Mm -hmm. First of all, it sets the correlation up between him and what was his name, Baxter? Or was yes, The Baxter's guy who Dockman. created the, uh, the mutant goo? What was mm. it, sludge? Ooze. Ooze, there we go. Ooze. <laughs> the mutant ooze um and it sets up that parallel between him and splinter really well you know both of them felt like they never belonged they were outsiders they didn't have any friends splinter had one friend he had a cockroach and it got immediately killed and then he ate it <laughs> and, but it's okay he went on to marry another cockroach. oh my god <laughs> don't even talk about that <laughs> Disgusting. disgusting when that cockroach disgusting. stuck her tongue down his mouth Ew. what what <laughs> why <laughs> um yeah anyway and then he's just a rat and he finds some 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 baby turtles rolling around in mutant ooze and they're nice to him and he's like that's the first creature that's ever been nice to me <laughs> everything else wanted to kill and him so i adopted them <laughs> This montage is so adorable just because yes. of how they drew these turtles, especially Donatello with his little glasses. Oh my god. How did he even know that Donatello needed glasses? Did he do like an eye test for him? He must have. Where did he get the glasses? Maybe someone dropped him down the sewer. That's so sad. <laughs> it's so adorable though. Yeah. When they stop and they look up the sewer grate and then I think Leo is like, I woke up there. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> So cute. But I never mentioned it, and I was meaning to beforehand, but I think this whole movie had a really nice 80s aesthetic, which fits because the Turtles were, I'm pretty sure, created in the 80s. Yeah. And Kevin Lee's uh, self-defense video, uh, Splinter's afro, just 
a whole lot of the design choices really, really fit the 80s yeah. aesthetic of this movie. Yeah, because when they did the flashback, like, obviously the mutants are 15 years old, and if that takes place now, then the flashback should be in the early 2000s, not mm -hmm. in the 80s. But it seemed like they were going back to when the Ninja Turtles were originally created, yeah. which was the 80s, and that was cute, and I liked that. Um, and it, you know, the movie doesn't have a distinct... Uh, time period that it's set in but that being said it is very clearly modern they all have mm. cell phones they all have i mean actually that's not true it does have a time period because they reference avengers endgame and they, they reference oh my goodness any movie under the sun and then there's cardboard cutouts of of old chris's <laughs> oh i completely forgot about that, that oh my so goodness funny which chris do you want to hang out with <laughs> chris pine and chris evans of course <laughs> Was there another uh, Chris there? We'll never uh, know. Is it Chris Pratt? I think all three Chris's were no, there. No, no, they were. They were? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I cannot believe I forgot about that. That was such that a good was joke. really funny. <laughs> and they um, were just live action too. Just yeah, no, everything. Like Ferris Bueller was live action. Everything mm. that was media related was just, except for the news that April was doing, mm. was completely uh, live action. <laughs> which, which was is... just amazing so funny i love when they insert live action things into mm. cartoons like in a spider verse you know oh, um but i mean we mentioned before how a lot of the reference humor kind of dated this movie and like in a year or two we'll really get that sense we've been literally sitting in the dark i just turned on the light we've it's dark outside and we've been sitting in a dark room for over an hour <laughs> but yeah reference humor i did like it because it was funny yeah i and you know them saying like things like riz <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know for a second i was like oh man but then i was like you know what it's accurate honestly if you told me like on paper that there is a riz joke in this movie i would think that it would go horribly bad but they mm -hmm. said it in the movie and it was leo like look who's got riz now and it, it worked it wasn't even a joke i think that's why it works it was just um a part of their vocabulary mm -hmm. which unfortunately it, it, it is now yeah. you know things like riz and delulu are things that the kids That's, say that just shows me how old i'm getting i'm not old it but it makes we're me not feel even old. old we're the <laughs> same age and we are not old it's just that with tiktok and the way that trends are mm. right now even the way that trends are when we were in high school they change so quickly that you can never keep up and you always feel old which makes me wonder how in the world the filmmakers and i'm thinking of specifically seth rogan because he's you know the big name behind this movie mm -hmm. but how the heck did they get a genuine voice of kids yeah you know, down on the paper they did and they had references that aren't out of date yet yeah which at least at the time of release which mm. is very good like yeah. that almost never happens and i'm sure that the word riz was put in late in the game because that's a very recent slang term that yeah, was probably I mean, if you think about how long uh animated movies have to be in development for mm -hmm. that's crazy yeah. that yeah, this exactly. was in there <laughs> just how difficult this movie probably was to make where we watch it and it just works mm -hmm. like it's just a really really good 
climactic ending to this great emotional story. Mm-hmm. Like it just amazes me that just this worked as well as it did. And putting aside, yeah, that fan is loud. If anyone can hear it, we put on a fan because it is very hot in this boiling, room. boiling. <laughs> what was I saying? I don't remember. A lot of effort was put into this movie. Oh, I remember now. I really hope, putting aside how good or bad this movie is, I really hope it made a lot of money because I want to see more movies like this. Mm -hmm. I want to see the studios learning the lesson of a Spider-Verse style animation or just weird or fun new animation styles work and people will spend their money on it. Yeah. And I really hope this movie gets a sequel too. It does not look like it's done bad in the box office. It's done fairly well. I think the worst thing the studio could do was release this movie during this time period because Barbie and Oppenheimer are still doing great. Mission Possible is still making a bunch of money. Like This movie should not have been released now. Yeah, I just think with everything going on in Hollywood right now, There's not that much that they can do to promote this movie. Nope. Because they didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's not a lot of incentive to hold it back. They want to get these out now because they're not going to have stuff um, for a little while. And they want to make their money. They don't want to... Because when they push movie release dates back, they lose money. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they've pushed back so many like Craven the Hunter has been pushed back yeah what is it like a year well because those things are still in production but things mm-hmm. like this you know if they were to push it back just because I mean what studio made this I don't even know uh, Nickelodeon oh okay see <laughs> that like if they were to push it back because they were afraid of the Oppenheimer and Barbie box office I mean I don't know Obviously, I'm not in the minds of studio execs, but it doesn't seem very likely because it would seem like they would want to compete with those, especially with a bunch of people going to the movies right now during this summer Um, because they're a completely different studio and they would want to make they would want to get in on that money making opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, yeah, holding it back. There's not much incentive for that. So. No, but I again, I do have a little bit of worry about this movie not making enough money for the studio to justify more because I want this to be a franchise. Mm-hmm. I want so many more animated Ninja Turtles movies like this. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I wouldn't mind seeing another one. Um, would I go to the theater and see it? Maybe not, but that's just not for me, maybe. <laughs> I would... 100% see a sequel to this movie in theaters because do you want to talk sequel speculation? Because sure. I want to talk about Cynthia Utron. Oh, yeah. She she just disappeared. I'm yeah. just realizing that right now. But she, after she milked the <laughs> turtles, <laughs> she just disappeared from the movie and never came back. So, I mean, first off, Maya Rudolph. Fantastic. I love she's her. so funny. She's always great. <laughs> and then when she does an accent, she's extra great. Yes. But do you know anything about the Utrams? No, of course I don't. I barely remember Shredder. (laughs) How am I going to know the Utrams? So do you know of Krang? Not Kang, Krang. No. You've probably seen him before, but he's this... He looks like a chewed thing of um, chewing gum, like bubble (laughs) gum. 
with a face and he lives in this robot body that he controls and it just looks like a person with visors on. Okay. Anyway. I'm so sorry, but the only thing I'm picturing right now is Scrappy-Doo from the first live-action Scooby-Doo movie. I'm not going to lie. You are really close. Awesome. You are very, very close. Awesome. I'm pulling up a picture of Krang. Oh, my God. You know, he looks more like kind of Brainiac vibes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very much. Kind of, yeah, like Scrappy-Doo crossed with Brainiac. <laughs> so I wanted, to ta I wanted to bring this up and show you this picture because... Krang, he may also come from Dimension X, which is another thing entirely, but his species is an Utrom, which means oh. that I think Cynthia Utrom, the character, is probably going to have something horrible happen to her, and she's going to get turned into a female Krang. Or she's an alien. Or she's, yeah, she's just <laughs> using a robot suit and she's already Krang. Ooh, interesting. I, I want to see that. I want to see that Because she badly. didn't seem very human. No. So... <laughs> And she has the weird German accent. Yeah. <laughs> it was a choice. I loved it, but it was a choice. <laughs> I couldn't keep a straight face the whole time she was talking. I can't think of too much else to say about TMNT Mutant Mayhem. Loved it. Fantastic kids movie. Yeah. So I guess we can move on to uh, our finalizing of the podcast where we talk about things in culture that we've been... Uh, consuming. So, Sasha. Yum, 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 yum. Consuming. <laughs> what have I been consuming? Um, oh, I just went um, to... I was so, so lucky, and I got a chance to go to the Taylor Swift Eras tour. Oh, my gosh, Max. It is... I am... I didn't even... I can't even think of what to say. It was such an experience going to... A concert where there what was it ninety thousand people something like that in one theater. you can even you can't even imagine that many people <laughs> I, I'm making a face because I would just be flabbergasted yeah no Max Max is a small town boy he does <laughs> not like people <laughs> um, being in being in a dome with 90,000 people in a sold-out show where every single person there is feeling the same things and, like, singing the same songs and screaming the same screams at Mother, at Taylor Swift. <laughs> people call her Mother. I am people. <laughs> I am a Swifty. I am not ashamed of that. See, I do like that environment or just that vibe. It was crazy. It felt like... People online were saying this, and I completely agree. It felt like Barbie Land IRL. Because a, a thing that has become a trend to do at these concerts, if you don't follow this, you if you don't follow Taylor Swift or uh, the concerts, like, you don't really know. But a thing to do there is um, people make friendship bracelets at home. Like, hundreds of friendship bracelets based on Taylor Swift's song titles or just random things that she's said in interviews or you know, inside references that only Swifties know and people wear them on their wrist because you can't bring them in a bag into the stadium because you have to have clear bags and you can't have like uh, that many bundles of things, right? right? So you, people wear them on their arms <laughs> and they walk into the theater and they just give them out. They trade and they want to come back home 
was completely different. They want to trade away all of theirs and they want to get give them to random people. I walked in with no bracelets and I walked out with nine friendship bracelets from strangers. Well, some of them were from friends that I uh, met up with there, but some of them were from complete strangers. And that is so... That's amazing. Fun. It's so nice. When I was there, I saw a guy holding up a Kenuff sign. <laughs> and, yes. And it was just like, it was so crazy. I also saw a video of someone saying, someone in a, uh, like taking a video of the crowd at a Taylor Swift concert and saying, I just realized I'm not afraid of crowds. I'm afraid of men. <laughs> and you know, that's very upsetting and very visceral. But honestly, while I was there, I have never been in a giant group in in any crowd not to mention 90,000 people and not felt anxiety but i felt completely at home i felt not in danger at all and literally it was like barbie land irl it was crazy it was so such amazing. an experience like just like-minded people yeah and it's not like to someone who wasn't there like you don't even have to be a swifty to feel that when you're there and it's crazy and i'm sorry i'm talking about this for a really long oh, time oh no you're good but you know taylor swift has this song called the man mm -hmm. um and it's it's a really good song i'll play it for you but <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's basically talking about how if she taylor swift was a man she would not be you know vulturized the way that she is she would not be attacked the way that she currently is 100 or or just like looked down upon by people. And the fact that you can sell out 90,000 people, not sold out show, not mm -hmm. one day, six sh straight nights in LA, and then every other stop on her tour, she's getting, she's making billions of dollars and then she's giving hundreds of thousand dollars away mm -hmm. to her staff as bonuses. like. And she has record after record after record that's a top hit. You know, if it's just, it's very incredible to see someone achieve those kind of heights. And she's still looked down upon by a huge subsection of society who don't even want to give her the time of day or listen to her music. And that really does not, not the horrible subculture of humans that suck but it makes me happy to know that taylor swift can create a culture in an environment that is safe and not not just safe but it spreads happiness and positivity a lot of mus musicians do it but not enough yeah and it's just yeah like i'm sorry i've been talking about this for so long <laughs> during our teenage mutant ninja turtle mutant mayhem uh, episode but i just felt like i wanted to say it because it is such a unique experience that I had over the weekend that I've never had before. And I just wanted to talk about it for a second. Well, that's good. And that's okay because the next thing that I'm going to be talking about is a TMNT comic that I've oh, been reading. Okay. I feel like I'm always bringing in comics, but that I, okay. I read a lot of comics. I won't do it, so you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't delved too deep into the TMNT comic lore. Like the most that I know is from the cartoon, mm -hmm. but so the original comic, the black and white one from Eastman and Laird, I've read many times, and there is a new comic came out 
I want to say a, a few years ago by Eastman and Laird, the original creators, and it's a cyberpunk alternate future where only one of the turtles is still alive and he's trying to face a new shredder. Whoa. And wait, which turtle? I'm not going to spoil it, but ask yourself who is the most interesting turtle to be on his own? It is that turtle. Yes. But yeah, it's only five issues. It's called The Last Ronin, and I highly recommend it. It is so much fun. But with that, I guess I, I want to talk about April's puke moment in our closing, because I think this moment perfectly encapsulate the whole themes of this movie, which is that you're going to do something embarrassing or ugly, or you're going to look embarrassing or ugly, and you're probably going to fail the first time that you try something that, you know, gets in the way of that embarrassingness. But even if you fail, like completely horribly fail and embarrass yourself, you have to keep on trying. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that we should keep on trying, no yes. matter how often we fail ourselves. 100%. You guys don't know this, but behind the scenes, we were trying to set up this podcast took for so almost an hour. We have had so many technical issues. <laughs> Goodness. And with that, this has been a puke podcast. Ew.